Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Come on, smile for me. Can I, can I say a word before we get into message time? I was just sitting backstage worshiping along with you guys. In those moments that it gets down really soft and you're singing, I'm not enough unless you meet me here. That may be a, a new idea for you. That may be this style of worship, maybe a different style for you. Can I beg you to lean into that and not back away from it? Because he wants to be here for you and he wants to help you. So let me ask you a question. What's the image that comes to mind when I use words like addict, addiction, addicted? What are some of the things that come to mind? Last week, we kicked off a series. You saw it in the video. We're simply calling Breaking Free. We learned <coughs> last week that there was a monk back in the fourth century that studied human behavior and came to the conclusion that, that everybody is prone to one of seven what he called the deadly sins. You want to list them again just to get them in our minds? Some of you are very familiar with them. Some of it may be new for some of you. But pride, uh, gluttony, greed, laziness, wrath, which is anger out of control, envy, and lust are the seven deadly sins. And you may struggle to say, oh, yeah, we all struggle in those areas or one or more of those areas. But in fact, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Again, we introduced that passage last week. We'll unpack it more through the series. Here we go. One, two, three. No temptation has overtaken you except what is what? common to mankind. The, 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 everything you've ever experienced, guess what? There's a whole bunch of people that experienced it too. Common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so what we're doing uh, through the remainder of the summer into the uh, September is we're looking at each of those seven deadly sins, trying to get a little better understanding of what, what is actually talking about in those sins, perhaps recognizing our own struggle in each of those areas, but primarily we're focusing on the way out that God provides. And so as you lean in today, I want you to understand that our goal for this whole series is that every one of us will break free from any encumbrance that's keeping us from being everything that God made us to be. Just don't hold on to it anymore. As something comes up, lean into it. Don't pull away from it. Say, God, I don't want this in my life. I want to be everything you made me to be. That's the goal of this series as we get really honest with ourselves, with God, perhaps in some level with one another uh, about what's really going on in our lives. And today we're talking about what may be your favorite subject. We're talking about gluttony. So what's the first thought that comes to mind when I say the word gluttony? You start thinking about people who can't stop eating, right? And no doubt that's a real issue in America. Can I get an amen? I read just the other day that Americans are 2.3 billion pounds overweight. Whoa. Somebody said the modern Lord's Prayer ought to be rewritten from instead of Lord give us this day our daily bread, it ought to be forgive us this day our daily bread. I don't know if that's true or not. I did run across a new diet the other day. It's probably the best diet I've ever come across. You order it, the package comes, you open up the package and the only thing in there is tranquilizers. <laughs> you don't actually lose weight, but you don't care anymore. <laughs> it's gonna, right? 
The truth is gluttony is a whole lot broader subject than how we eat. In fact, it probably has more to do with what's eating you than what you're eating. Bottom line is the Bible calls it acts of the flesh. Paul even lists them for us in Galatians chapter 5. Let's read that passage together. Verse 19 and 20 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the stuff we really, really like. Uh, Oh, that's not in there, is it? I'm sorry. And the like, (laughs) I warn you that those things, those are the things that we naturally like. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Sin's a gas. If, if sin was a bummer, nobody'd do it. Hello, are you out there? The problem is you get your kicks and then you get your kickbacks. That's the problem. And here's the kickback. I warn you that those who live like this will, you want to read it? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. The bottom line of this whole thing is that gluttony is about having an unhealthy appetite for anything. It's about having an unhappy, unhealthy appetite for anything. And you need to know that whatever form gluttony takes in your life, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, says it clearly, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Say it with me. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Personalize it. I am a slave to whatever masters me. I am. I'm a slave to whatever masters me. So the question of the day then is how do you break free? How do you break out from under those unhealthy appetites that all of us are prone to, all of us struggle with? You can get as, you can get as sanctified as, as, as anybody's ever been sanctified. You can get as filled with the Holy Ghost as you want to get. You can speak in tongues and prophesy and do all kinds of stuff. You're still going to be human till you get to heaven. You're still going to wrestle with the flesh till you get to heaven. Can I get one amen in the room? One honest soul among us, thank you. So how do we break free? I think there are six dynamics mentioned in Scripture. And I'm going to do as quickly as I can. I'm going to just mention those six to you. Maybe teach you something that will be meaningful to you as we learn how to break free from any unhealthy appetites that might be enslaving us, keeping us from being all we can possibly be according to how God Is that worth a few minutes of our time? Okay, let's get into it. Step number one, dynamic number one, is you've got to accept responsibility for your own choices. You've got to accept responsibility for your own choices. Anybody agree with me? It's easier to blame somebody else or some other circumstance than it is to face the responsibility that we made the choice and that choice had a consequence. Is blaming easier? Of course it is. We can always find somebody. We even said last week, pride blocks us from even seeing what our weaknesses are. And that's, that's a problem that's been around since the beginning of humanity. Adam and Eve had the same problem when God came to Adam and said, what in the world's going on, dude? Uh, Adam uh, sinned and he took it like a man, blamed his wife. And when she couldn't take it, he blamed God. He said, it's not my fault, God. It's that woman you gave me. That's that's the problem here. The truth is we never break free from whatever's holding us back until we accept responsibility for our own choices. Proverbs 19, 3, people's own foolishness ruins their lives, but in their minds, they blame 
the Lord. So I got to ask, don't answer me. Sit real still, but who are you blaming for your problems right now? Your parents, your, your spouse, your, your a teacher, your, your kids, your boss, the devil, God? I mean, who are you, me, the church? Who are you blaming for the problems that you're facing in life? And please, please understand, I'm not saying for a moment that the people in your life or the circumstances in your life don't create problems for you. I'm not suggesting for a minute that, that those things don't have a profound impact on your life that you have to face. But I'm saying at the end of the day, you will never break free from unhealthy appetites until you make better choices yourself, regardless of who or what's going on around you. Two amens. It's true. Once you recognize then that a choice has to be made and you, you commit to make that choice going forward, your next step is repent. I know that's not a popular word. You know, it's going to repent, repent or be damned. I mean, it's kind of what we, we kind of put that all together. But the word repent simply means metanoia. It's the Greek word metanoia. Meta means change. Noia is your mind. And so simply repentance is to change your way of thinking and acting. Just this idea of this is what I was doing. It didn't work. And now I'm going to shift gears. And this is what I'm going to do going forward. I'm going to go in a different direction. Now, now get this, why this is so important and why it's so early in this process of breaking free. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 5 from the North Carolina version. Always get a laugh out of that. <laughs> New century version. When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. When I kept things to myself, what happened? I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. Then I confessed my sins to you, Lord, and didn't hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my sins to the Lord, and you forgave my guilt. That says to me that if you really want to conquer an unhealthy appetite of any kind, you've got to stop rationalizing your bad choices. You've heard, if you've been around long, you've heard me talk about this idea of rationalizing. It means to tell yourself rational lies. You got to stop. You got to stop keeping them a secret. You got to stop saying nobody would understand. I can't tell anybody because no one would understand what I'm going through. No, wait a minute. We've already established that everything you're going through is common to man. Of course, there are people who will understand because there's people who are going through the same thing. And at the end of the day, God will understand because the Bible is clear. Jesus was tempted in all points just like we are, yet he never sinned. Keeping things a secret only intensifies it. You, you understand what gives secret, what secret's power is when you hold it down here. Because in the darkness, it festers. It's only when it gets exposed to the light that it begins to heal. So look at those verses more closely. Look at, look at uh, Psalm 32 again. Do you see two key truths in here? This is important. We're going to move on. The guilt associated with an unhappy, uh, unhealthy appetite. It's hard for me to say, apparently. <laughs> the guilt that's associated with an unhealthy appetite is more destructive than the unhealthy appetite. And when you finally deal with the guilt through accepting responsibility and repenting, confess your sins to the Lord and he will forgive you. You finally say, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't do that right. I blew that one. I haven't been getting that right for a long time, whatever. And I want to change. I want to change direction. I want to be a different person. God forgives you, deals with the guilt, and that's what sets you up for the healing. 
So please, I beg you, whatever unhealthy appetites might be going on in your life, and I didn't say if there are any, I said whatever there are. Start by accepting personal responsibility for the choices that you're making and then bring them to God and say, I'm sorry, I blew it. I know this isn't healthy. I want to be free. Give me a fresh start. Then with this fresh start, this clean slate, my next action step is you got to ask Jesus to take over. This time I'm going to do it differently. This time I'm going to put Jesus at the helm. The truth is, if you really want to be free, you're going to need a power greater than yourselves to get free. Because if willpower was enough, you'd be free already. And so you begin to recognize, I need a power greater than myself in order to get free from this thing that's been holding me back. We, we read Paul last week when he said, why do, why do I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? What in the world is going on with me? I, I have this desire to do good, but I don't have the power to do good. So once you've accepted responsibility for your own choices and you've repented, then you go to the power source to get it better this time, to get it right this time. Last week we read Romans 7. Let's move on to verse 24 and 5 of Romans 7, okay? Paul's struggling with his sinfulness. By the time we get to verse 24, here's what he says, what a miserable man I am. Who, who will save me from this body that brings me death? I mean, it's just, what in the world am I going to do? And then he shifts gears in that verse, and he gives a solution because he's broken free. And here's what he says, I thank God for saving me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember, Second Peter, you're a slave to whatever masters you. The solution to a destructive appetite is choose the right master. In fact, is we're all controlled by something every day. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. We are. We're controlled by some external force every day of our lives. We're controlled by schedules. We're controlled by other people. We're controlled by work deadlines. We're controlled by guilt. We're controlled by, by drugs. We're controlled by alcohol. We're controlled by, there's just a host of things that are vying for control in our lives. And every one of us are being pulled in every direction there possibly can be every day of our lives. Paul finally figured out if, I, if instead of letting the destructive stuff control, me I choose Jesus who loves me and has the power to break me free choose him to be in charge of my life to be choose him to be the master of my life then I will finally be free truly free Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 11 he said verse 29 take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an invitation for you to come to Jesus, but it's not a me and Jesus got a good thing going. Come on, Jesus, here I'm going. Follow me, stay close in case I need you. That's not what that verse talks about. What's he talking about? Well, what's a yoke? Not too many farmers here that use oxen, but you've probably seen it in movies and that sort of thing before. What's a yoke? Generally, traditionally, it was a piece of wood that was carved out to fit the shoulders of, of the ox, and you'd have two uh, oxes, oxen, whatever, lined up, and then the yoke would come across them. It would be tied back to some reins, and the farmer who's running the plow would control the oxen with the yoke. 
So what's Jesus saying? If you want to be free, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be strong, if you want to enjoy, if you want rest for your souls, then get rid of the yoke that's destroying you and take my yoke on. Why is his yoke easy? Because it fits. It fits who you are. It's custom designed for you. In your mother's womb, the Bible says, every day of your life was laid out. And he created this yoke for you, specifically custom designed for you. Okay, Jim, but where does it say master in there? Romans 7.25, it, it says it. Can we go back to that verse? Who, what did, who, did, who did Paul say set him free? Jesus Christ our Lord, now we don't use that word Lord, you know, lords and ladies and all that. We don't use that very much these days, but I think you probably know what it means. It's the, it's the kahuna, it's the CEO, it's the boss, it's the one in charge. And so Paul didn't just say, Jesus set me free. He said, Jesus, our master, our, the one who's custom designed the yoke for us, set us free. He's talking about who's in charge. So here's the problem, and we'll move on. For many of us, you know, we, we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that I'm a failure. I recognize I blow it in this area. I recognize I'm not doing well. Would you forgive me and give me a fresh start? And the Bible says he always does. Confess, he forgives. That's the way it works. He will always confess. The problem is we come to him and we, and we get cleared of that. We get relief from the current guilt that we're carrying. But you don't just have some sins in your life. <clears throat> you got a sin factory. You just go make some more, right? And before we know it, you're right back where you were. And so what you got to do is not just accept responsibility, personal responsibility, and repent. But you got to say, Lord, I need you to help me make better choices. I need your power to begin to change the choices that I've been making. I need you to do a work inside of me, in my mind, because I need to be free from this thing, and I can't do it on my own. Jesus says, if you want that, if you want me to work in your life, you need to understand, I won't be your co-pilot. Because if I'm your co-pilot, you'll cr crash the plane and you'll blame me for it. I'm the pilot. Amen. If you let me be the pilot, I'll set you free. I'll take you where you want to go. I'll take you to places you never dreamed you could go. I'll take you where you can't even dream or think or ask. If you just let me be the pilot, let me be in charge. Accept personal responsibility for your choices. Repent. And then ask Jesus to take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Where's Carrie when you need her to come sing that song with? When you do that, you get a fresh start in life, okay? The problem is that, that we continue through the journey through life. We're going through life, and there is, and Jesus is in charge, and we're following him and say, thank you, Lord, for leading my way, and, and we, good things start to happen, and we're feeling better about life and all that. But there are these shiny things over here in the periphery that are constantly getting our, our attention. Mmm, that looks good. Oh, that looks interesting. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, she's pretty. Uh, she's pretty over there. Yeah, let's just, that, well, that food looks delicious. Oh, that drug looks like I could escape for a while. Oh, that, that drink says that I wouldn't have to feel what I'm feeling if I drank 
some of that stuff. I mean, there's just this shiny stuff that gets our attention all the time. So the fourth step in this journey, now that you've got a fresh start and put Jesus in charge, is you've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your mind. Proverbs 24, uh, 4, 23, be careful what you think because what? Your thoughts run your life. That's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, you need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Pastor Jim paraphrased, whatever captures my attention captures me. So let me give you an example. Okay, just a, a real simple example, but it's, but it's real. Uh, Kim and I often take our granddaughters to Stay Sweet Bakery on Buckswamp Road. Here's a, here's a little uh, commercial for Miss Mickey, okay? We go on Friday afternoons. If you ever want to come by on Friday afternoons, we'll say hi. I run into bridge people there all the time. You want to see some bridge people and, and chat, then just come on by uh, Stay Sweet on Buckswamp Road on Friday afternoons. I, I'm sure other days too. But anyway, I go, and every week, because I've been trying to keep a handle on my weight. I don't know if you know, but four or five years ago, I lost a bunch of weight, and I'm trying to keep it off. And so every week, I say, I'm taking the kids to Stay Sweet. I'm not going to get anything this week. <laughs> and I get there, and I say, okay, girls, go ahead and tell the lady what you want. And while they're up there telling Miss Mickey or one of the girls what they want, I'm looking at that Hershey's ice cream, and I'm looking at that strawberry cake that she makes, and this, I was just, <laughs> okay, well, just this once. <laughs> What's just happened? A shiny thing just caught my attention and pulled me off the track of where I was trying to go. Understand, guarding your mind is not about resisting temptation. You will fail every time. It's about redirecting your attention, okay? If you sit around thinking, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it, every nerve in your body is saying, but you've got to have it, and you deserve it, and you should go get it. That's just, that's just the way it works. I had a, a guy tell me one time who, who had an affair, and, and, he, and he repented it, accepted responsibility, repented of that, asked Jesus to take charge. He said, I will, I'll sit in my office, and I'll pray and weep. Oh, God, take this away from me. I don't want to be with this woman. I want to be faithful to my wife. I don't want to do this anymore and I get up off my desk and I blow my nose and clear my eyes and pick up the phone and call her what is wrong with me pastor because he didn't take step four he didn't guard his mind and I don't say he didn't resist the temptation he was doing his best to resist it what he didn't do is replace you see, that's what is called replacement therapy. What you do is replace the bad thing with a good thing. You find something healthy to, to, uh, to focus on. Instead of resisting the bad, you replace it with good. Uh, understand something, okay? There's a principle of the universe that God built into the universe. Vacuums do not naturally exist on earth. I'll say that again. Vacuums do not naturally exist on earth. How many of you would say that uh, you have a nearly empty gas tank out in the parking lot right now? Well, come on, be honest. Some of you got one, right? The, the honest truth is none of you have a nearly empty tank. You may not have enough gas to get home, but it ain't empty because as the gas goes out, air comes in. That's the reason when you start pumping, if you pump too fast, before the air can escape, the gas will come back at you because it's not empty, it's full. It's just full of something else. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, I'm gonna empty my mind of this thought, there ain't no such thing. 
You have to replace it with something else. You may say your mind is empty, and okay, maybe it is. Uh, but the <laughs> fact is, it never, never is. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. It's, positive thinking is not a bad thing in and of itself, it's just not enough. You understand the problem with, with positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, which was so popular for many decades, Norman Vincent Peale and all those guys. You understand the problem with it is if I think positively, think positively, think positively, and finally break through, through who did I build faith in? Myself. And we've already acknowledged that we don't have the power we need to break through from all the stuff in our lives. And so by all means, be a positive person but understand that that's never going to get you to where you want to go because faith has to be in the one who has the power to help you break free. And that's Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the journey to breaking free from unhealthy appetites includes replacing, filling your mind with healthy stuff. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Philippi chapter 4, verse 8, think about the things that are good and worthy of praise. Think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. That's why Paul wrote to the church uh, at Rome in chapter 12, verse 2. I like the way the message paraphrases it. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Other translations say you'll be transformed by the repatterning of your thinking. Can I just, a little side trip, can I tell you that's why the growth track here at the bridge is so critically important for all of us? We've been running now for two semesters. We do three semesters a year. We've probably got 120 people going through the growth track right now in our church. The summer semester has just finished up. We're starting the fall semester pretty soon. In fact, signups for the fall semester is in September. Let me challenge you, encourage you, whatever I got to do, beg you, get into the growth track, sign up for it, get involved in it, because what we're doing is we're giving you the truth to replace the junk. We all have ideas about God. We all have ideas about our faith. We all have ideas about what it means to walk with God. And we're giving you the truth and opportunities to apply the truth to your life so that you can do this replacement therapy thing. You can begin to replace the junk that's been holding you back long enough and replace it with the truth of God's word. Sign up, start in September. Um, get in, okay? All I'm saying is don't waste time thinking, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. Don't waste time thinking, I'm not going to eat that ice cream, I'm not going to eat that ice cream, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that ice cream. I'll have the praline pecan, <laughs> right? I'm not going to give in to this sexual desire, I'm not going to give in to this temptation, whatever it is. Instead, fill your mind with the truth. And Jesus said, when you know the truth the truth will set you free. The fifth step in this journey now, so we've accepted personal responsibility, we've repented, uh, Lord, help me change my mind, forgive me, give me a fresh start today. Jesus, you be in charge this time, and I'm gonna guard my mind when stuff comes, I'm not gonna resist it, I'm gonna replace it. Now, step five, this is huge, is partner with others. Find some people to partner with on this journey. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real 
trouble. NIV says, pity the man who falls and there's no one to help him up. Here's how James put it in chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to God. No, we did that in step two. We've already done that part. Confess your sins to a priest. Not what it says. Confess your sins to who? To each other. You've got to be kidding me. You're telling me that when I finally get honest about what's going on in my life, I've got to sit down with some people, some fellow believers, and I've got to... I got to be honest about what's going on. That would be so humbling. That's the point. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yeah, that's the point, which is why Jesus went on to say, confess to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay, pastor, I want to be emotionally healed. I want to be whole and healthy. I want to break free from these unhealthy, destructive appetites, but how am I going to do that? Well, here's the answer. It's, it's build a trust relationship with some fellow believers and establish some support and accountability relationships. Again, that's what bridge groups are all about here. That's why we offer these groups. We've got men's groups and women's groups and co-ed groups and all kinds of groups, teenage groups. We've got groups all over the place. You can get in a group and build a trust relationship with some people because I dare say that if, if starting next Sunday we set a microphone up here and said, okay, guys, it's confession time. Please line up. I want you to come and confess one to another and we'll pray for you so you can be healed. How many takers do you think we'd have? I guarantee you the only takers we'd get, we would want to take the microphone away from them. <laughs> right? But you need somebody that you build a trust relationship with. You need some people that gather around you. You need somebody who loves you enough to tell you the truth. That's what bridge groups are all about. You get honest with each other, you pray for one another, and you watch the grip of unhealthy appetites loosen in your life. Somebody said it this way, revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Do you know one of the reasons why that's true? If you tell yourself, I'm going to quit, fill in the blank, whatever it is, I'm going to stop, I'm not going to do that anymore, but you don't tell anybody, you know what you've done? You've created for yourself an escape hatch. So if it doesn't work out, you don't have to admit to somebody it didn't work out which means you've set yourself up for failure from the very beginning. You've got to find some people to link arms with, partner with, if you want to be free. So you want to rehearse it again? Here we go. Accept responsibility for your own choices. Repent, confess, turn around, go in a different direction. Give Jesus control this time as you get your fresh start. Guard your mind, don't resist, replace, and then partner with some others. And then there's one more step, and I'll hush. This is huge. Don't go, don't go to brunch with me. Stay with me just another minute or two, okay? Number six is help somebody else. Help somebody else. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Praise be to the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can be comfortable. What? Doesn't that sound good? What does it say? So that we can... Comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves received from God. You know who the best accountability partner is? 
It's somebody who has been where you are and has gotten to where you want to be. So God gives you comfort. He gives us comfort so that we can be healed. But then he turns around and uses us to provide that same comfort for people around us who need to be healed. In other words, he turns your darkest secret that you're done holding down, holding back, feeling guilty about, and heals it when you expose it to him and then turns it into a ministry to bless other people. He wants to help you through it, overcome it, so that he can then use you to help other people do the same thing. And you know what my prayer is? I mean, I've been planning this series, looking forward to this series for a very long time. And my prayer for weeks and weeks and weeks has been, oh God, give our people some breakthroughs some junk that they've been holding on to, some rationalizing away, living under the circumstance, living under the pressure of of somebody else who's doing something else. Let them understand how free they can be in Christ Jesus when they make him Lord. Help them rise above that. But you know what my second, right on the heels of that prayer is? And then turn them into an army of healers. My prayer is that some of you are going to break through during this series. You're going to break free from some unhealthy junk that's been holding you a long time. And a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, you'll be one of those bridge group leaders that's leading other people to break free and be free themselves. That's my prayer for you and for this church and for this community. Now that you have found healing, you are the agent of healing in the people's lives around you. And I know that's, that's counterintuitive. I mean, The world says, play to your strengths and you'll succeed. God says, watch me use your weaknesses if you give them to me. Even Paul, when he came and said, Lord, would you remove this thorn from me? God said, no, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use that scar. I'm going to use that memory, that painful memory. I'm going to use that to help somebody else after you found healing yourself. At the end of the day, for those of you that perhaps are new here, deciding whether you want to be a part of this place or not, that's what the bridge is all about. We are about this place of being a hospital for the hurting, helping people to find healing, and then helping them to, to provide that healing for the people around us. We are changing lives that we believe will ultimately change the world. That's what this church is about. I gotta close. So let's go back to our first verse, our key verse for the series. Can we go back to that for just a second as we wrap up? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God is faithful. Somebody say amen. amen. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Stop right there. I know when something is overwhelming you and, and talking about a subject like this sometimes brings that stuff to the surface and everything in you says, but I know it's more than I can do. I just can't deal with this. It's just too hard. This is too difficult. I can't. I know I, I, I can't. I need you to hear me say, God says it's not too much. As a follower of Jesus Christ, everything that happens in your life is father-filtered, and he will not allow anything to come into your life until you're ready to deal with it in his power. I had a lady come running into my office one day a few years ago, tears flowing on the verge of screaming. 
she was in her 30s, had come to Christ a few, just a very few years before that, was growing in the Lord. She came bursting into my office. I don't understand. I don't get it. Where's your God now, she said. Okay, let's, let's, let's take a breath. Let's calm down. What's going on? She had just come from Food Lion where she ran into the guy who raped her when she was 16. He'd gone to prison. And she'd heard through the grapevine that he had served his time and was out, but she had not run across him until that day. And when she did, she burst into tears right there in the middle of the grocery store, ran to her car, ran to the church and said, I don't understand why God would allow me to see that man today. I took her to 1 Corinthians 10. I said, it must be that he held that guy away until you were ready to deal. And now you're ready. Let's get past this. Let's learn from this. Let's grow from this. Yeah, the scar is going to be there. Nobody's saying that wasn't painful. Nobody's saying that wasn't horrible. There is a scar. But that scar can either remind you of the pain or it can remind you of the healing. God's held it off until this point because he knows now you're ready to deal with this. He will provide a way out. But you have to take the way he provides. It's your call. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to pray a very directed prayer this morning. Pray it silently or loud. It's up to you. You can whisper it if you want, or you can scream it. I don't care, but I just want us to pray these points back to God as commitments. It begins like this. Lord, I acknowledge that I have an unhealthy appetite for you fill in the blank. And I accept responsibility for the choices I'm making. I repent. Forgive me for buying into those appetites and feeding my flesh. Forgive me. Change my thoughts. Change my actions, Lord. Give me a fresh start today. And would you be in charge this time? I kind of made a mess of it before, but if you're at the helm, okay, I believe I can make it. Yes, I will do my part. I will guard my thought life. When that appetite or another unhealthy appetite comes to mind, I'm not just going to try to resist it. I'm going to replace it with good things. I'm going to replace it with the truth of your word. I'm going to replace it with worship. I'm going to replace it by singing worship songs. You are the reason I live. Stuff like that. And I'll find some people to partner with. 
I find some people of like mind, like heart, like journey, they may be struggling with the same thing I am or something completely different, but we're all in this together, so I'm going to link arms with some people, and I'm not going to just go to church on Sunday. I'm going to be in relationship with brothers and sisters on the same journey I'm on. And then, as health and freedom comes, I'm going to be your agent of healing for others. Father, you know who's praying right now. You know exactly what's going on in their minds. I pray simply in the quietness of this moment that you would speak to each one of us very, very intimately. If we're not sure for any reason what that unhealthy appetite is, would you show it to us right now? Just right now. Give us the courage, the faith in you to take the steps. Accept responsibility. I repent of my sin. I ask Jesus to be in charge. I guard my mind by replacing the yucky stuff with good stuff. I partner with others, and I'll become an agent of your healing. When I find healing, I will pass it on. And I pray in Jesus' name for healing across this house. Thousands, perhaps, of people watching online right now and literally uh, far corners of this planet praying for healing right now in Jesus' name. Release of healing in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. 